Yes, people, how are you all doing? I hope you're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. And today's episode is going to be another bite-sized clip from one of my mic'd up YouTube series with my coach, James Sutton. So I travelled out to Nottingham to get a good pull session in with James. And we had a little bit of a chat at the end, which is what this episode is going to be, and just about his life, his, his journey through fitness, some of the lessons he's learned, and some of the advice he has to any young coaches, PTs, um, or anybody in general. But it's very interesting. The full video of our session is actually on YouTube right now, which is the link in the show notes below, or to search Ben Pearson on YouTube, it should come up. Uh, but this is going to be the conversation we had afterwards, which is 20, 30 minutes long, so I thought I'd leave it as a bite-sized episode. So hopefully you're enjoying them. I am interested in trying to get the podcast back out, maybe once a month or something like that, but I'd rather do it with a guest. So I'm going to try and get a few lined up if I can. But anyway, we'll jump straight into this episode with James Sutton, this is process. That should be alright. I'm out. I'm you here. I'm having. I'm, I'm having this. There I go. I'll, I'll have this one. I'll get closer and closer because the wide angle as well. So the further you are to the edge, I think it makes you look a bit bigger. Just took that. What is that session? To be fair, the intensity was uh, much better using kit, bits of kit like that. The only problem is when I'm at gyms. Especially the gym, I've got it's so busy because it's a small gym, it's yeah. all hammer strength stuff. Yeah. It's half decent kit, but it's just uh, that's why I like training at home, having your own bits of kit. You can just get in, get out. Obviously, we weren't efficient today, but yeah, the efficiency yeah. of having like your own place where you can just go through it and it's so not nice. waste others is so much different. I know everyone's. I think everyone since lockdown is starting to do the home gym thing now as well. I've seen a lot more. A lot more PTs. Be, be fair, have asked me like, "Oh, where'd you get this from?" Because I'm wanting to do the same thing. Yeah. Saves r- rent from facilities and then also yeah. do your own hours and do whatever you want training wise. It's much much better. Well, even it's just the travel time. I don't know what. Like it is for you to travel yeah, places. It's, it's even not too far for me, you know, yeah. but it's just like, even if it's like five, ten minutes there, five, ten minutes back, yeah. and then waiting for bits of kit. I like my sessions, I hate yeah. like having to wait. Two hours between a client, yeah. even if it's ten minutes either side, by the time you get home, it's and then you want food as well, you've got to get food into it like as well, then, yeah. get a shower if you need to as well. Uh, but I, know, I want to talk about your coaching journey. So you yeah. played basketball, what sort of level were you? Uh, we are semi professional, so yeah. that's nothing in this country. Yeah, <laughs> semi professional, yeah. but yeah, semi professional. Where I was, I was paid a little bit, given somewhere to live. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, was like that uni and stuff as well? Uh, no, I never went. I did like a higher national diploma in sports therapy, yeah. uh, but never went to uni. Yeah. So it's before that, tried to push the basketball, realised this ain't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like the PT qualification and stuff from there. So when did you, how old were you when you did your PT? Uh, 23. 23. That was a little bit later on, to be fair. Yeah. So was you pretty much, were you working on alongside basketball? What were you doing work-wise, or were you just basketball? I always uh, joke, I've never had a proper job in my life. Same. I've never, <laughs> so, honestly, never done a paper round, never yeah. worked in a barn and all that yeah. stuff. Obviously, like, doing the high national diploma, like, you get a normal sort of grant or loan or whatever it was back yeah. then. Um, for that, so that ticked us over, worked in Domino's. Yeah, yeah. Driver <laughs> to bring in money on the still side. Still a job, that's, that's this morning I've done, to be fair. You still got tips and stuff, you got a pizza yeah, like, yeah. at the end of the night. Um, so like, did that, tried to pursue a basketball career. Yeah. For two years, I think it was. Realised, yeah. I can tick over, but it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Did my PT course, and then obviously got a PT job yeah. there. So never really had a like a proper office job. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what I mean. Did you find it hard dropping the basketball? Because you, did you do it from like a very, very young age, like 10? No, I got time. into it probably 13, 14. Yeah, a little of. bit later than, yeah. As I was getting a bit taller, yeah. I was like, oh, I can't right this. this yeah. uh, and it wasn't really until I got like 16, 17, I was actually, actually, I can take this somewhere. Mm-hmm. Going in like high school, yeah. really 
I was good, but not like that good. Yeah. But it wasn't until later that I started to excel. I was like, ah, actually, where can I? Yeah. Where can I Do you it? think you realised quite soon after? The reason I want to talk about this is because I was a similar sort of thing. I left um, Newcastle at 21. Again, the last two years of my contract was just injuries. I was kind of between 21 and 23. I was kind of trying to force as much out of football as I could, even though realistically I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. Did you realise quite soon that you were like, you know what, realistically, I'm not going to be able to go pro and make this a full-time job career-wise? Yeah, or was I, it kind of yeah I knew that after that first year of, of trying. I had a second yeah. year where I just ticked over. Yeah. But it's like the, the guys coming over the States, they were getting the money in this country. Yeah. And you're just ticking over and you, you worked, you had to do some coaching, like basketball coaching, mm-hmm. to earn money, you're given somewhere to live. But it wasn't much at all. It yeah. like, ticked you over, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to get to a point where I can actually save money." Yeah. And then the end of the season comes, and you got three, four, five months over the summer. We're not yeah. getting paid. Yeah. So I was like, "This ain't going to go anywhere. I need a career. I love training." That's literally partly what it was. You I love- wasn't deep enough to think. Oh, I want to make sure I can help thousands of people. And mm-hmm. that. it was just like, I love training. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Yeah. I like being with people. I like connecting to people. Yeah. Let's see where. It then it leads somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. quite mature though to be switched on to that sort of thing. So I know it's quite interesting as well hearing it from like another sport because I just know the background of football. And I've got loads of my mates who are like trying to sign for teams and pursue different careers and stuff. But you've kind of took that step early and think, you know what? I enjoy doing this thing, this PT fitness thing. I'm going to have a go at it, and I might make something. It might not. We'll yeah. Just see what happens. Yeah. Um, partly as well when you've almost had nothing. Yeah. Financially, mm-hmm. grown up, I say well enough, but not like loads of things. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about earning mm-hmm. like stupid amount of money. In my head, I was like, fifteen sessions a week. Yeah. Pay my rent. I'll be minted. Don't be minted on that at all. That's what you all think. Life of a PT. I think like, you're gonna be, be minted. Absolutely minted and fine. Um, and then you start to realize actually this can be a business. This can go somewhere. You yeah. The amount of people you can actually reach out and help. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just something like. I'm passionate about it. Let's see what I can do. Nah, that's stage. a great way to start things. How did you start then? Where was your first PT job? Um, it was 10, 10 miles from here in something called Derby. You guys in yeah. <laughs> North oh, know North. where that is. Oh, where's that? Uh, but yeah, it was in an LA, LA fitness. All right, yeah. Um, I went for a PT interview at another, another no, no, I went for no, no, a PT interview at another gym and they turned me down because mm-hmm. they're like, no, you need to be a gym instructor first. You need some experience. All oh, right, yeah. But you, you know, like when you've trained for at that point, almost eight years, yeah. like from 14, 15, train through to 23 sort of time. At that time, stupidly, I thought, I know everything there is to know about training. Yeah. I just need to learn business and build a business. Yeah. I didn't have a fucking clue. Yeah. <laughs> you think, you think yeah. I think about some of the stuff I did when I first started, when I was 21, like still in full-time football, I thought, right, I've had these S&C coaches and stuff like that, I know everything. But even like the last two months, I've learned things and my opinions changed on things that I didn't yeah. think I would. Yeah. You pick things up. Yeah. Um, so no, then I got, into PT, say 23, 23 mm-hmm. um, LA Fitness, four or five years there. Yeah, just one to ones, was it? Yeah, purely, C2 at ones yeah, stuff, purely yeah. one-to-one. There was other ideas and stuff. I tried to do some group stuff, tried to do other little bits, but it didn't really go anywhere. It's just the one-to-one. Yeah. I was busy with that. I had good retention. Yeah. Um, How quick did it take you to build clients up? Were you, quite, were you in there quite a bit trying to pick clients up? Or you were like, oh, so for, for me, when I first started my PT job, um, was just like in the field health, so you had 16 hours standard, and you got paid for like minimum wage for it. Yeah, and yeah. then the rest was obviously you had to pick up clients PT wise. Yeah. My initial mindset was like, right, I'll do my two eight hours, and I'll probably pick up clients doing that. Whereas realistically, it took me like three months to actually build even like 10, 10 sessions a week trying to get to that point. What I should have probably done is said to myself, right, I need to stay in here, try and get clients when I'm out of hours. So, yeah. what was it like for yourself? Did you have a different mindset towards things? Or I always look back and think, 
looking back, you're like, oh yeah, you could say I was successful or pushed on, but really in the moment, yeah. it's like, is this going anywhere? Is this moving forward? Yeah. Because you see the overnight successes, you see the people in the industry who are earning ridiculous money uh, and they've been in the industry for a year, two years, three years, four years, but actually the majority of us, Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a fucking slog. It's gonna take years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't really build a client base for the first 18, 18 months, two mm-hmm. years. Um, I sat at 12 to 15 sessions a week mm-hmm. for probably the first year. Yeah, yeah. Where I could survive, I could get by because my outgrowings were so minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really building, wasn't growing. But then yeah. it was only over time that it sort so of built to a point where it? I was yeah. 25, 30. And then to a point where after probably two, two and a half, three years, it's 35, 40 sessions a week. Yeah. I had to push my prices up. Yeah. And push from there. But no joke, it's took 80 months to two years of in their first thing at 6.30, gym opened at 6.30, in their first thing at 6.30, not leaving till eight. I live 20 minutes away, so there's no option of going home. Mm-hmm. Even if I had three people in that day for yeah. a 14 hour day, I was there. Yeah. So whether it was studying, whether it was training, whether it was chatting to members. Yeah. There was something that was a system in my business. Yeah. You've got, to, you've got to live that life. I think yeah. to start off as a PT, I didn't have that mindset to start off with. It took me time to get, get to that point. But you've got to be there. You've got to be the face, especially if you're in like a public sort of gym. You've got to be the face of the gym. When people go in, they're like, right, I'm looking forward to James's class. Right, I'm, I, I want to go and speak to James about this question. You've got yeah. to be that face. Yeah. And then Every you'll pick up. member of staff, manager, salesperson, if there's gym instructors or anything like that, now they've got to know you as the main guy who yeah. knows their shit. Yeah. So anytime they speak or anyone to ask them a question, they're going to refer through to you. If yeah. you're not willing to spend that time in, it's not going to happen. Yeah, Unless you've got a ridiculous physique that's going to stand you out. Yeah, but yeah. people think that the physique gets clients, which it doesn't. It, it, it does to a certain extent. The physique but assists, we cannot deny that. It doesn't maintain them, I don't think, though. Yeah. No, 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 it doesn't maintain them at all. It's, yeah. it's not going to hold your business long term, mm-hmm. but the physique definitely does assist mm-hmm. um, because we're judged on face value. We are, yeah. we are judged on how we look. Mm-hmm. And you haven't got to be a physique of some pro athlete, pro physique model or anything like that. Yeah. But even just ourselves, we look in shape. Yeah. The we're hard thing was jacked, but we still look in shape. And if yeah. we were thirty percent body fat, you'd be questioned. We're going to be judged differently. Yeah. So it's not that it's got to be elite, but it's got to be to a certain standard. Yeah. Definitely. I was going to say the only thing with being tall is sometimes you don't look you don't look great with clothes. Got a hoodie on. He's like, well, he's like a he's, he's a, skinny. I know he's like a coat hanger. Like I'm not going to go with him. Uh, where did you go after that? So four or five years at LA Fitness. Did you was it M10 then? Yeah, yeah then when I was M10, I had a year, eighteen months, was doing both. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was doing like uh, LA Fitness, six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty, nine thirty. Yeah. Drive over to Nottingham, which is twenty minutes or so away. Be there from twelve till eight. Yeah. So again, so I literally it was like four sessions back to back, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Saturday in LA Fitness, the gym was open at 8.30, shut at 4, 4.30, eight sessions back to back. Yeah. So I literally wow. still ran, not quite my same business, but I pulled down to 20, 25 hours at LA Fitness yeah. while M10 was building. Yeah. Um, and then when M10 got to a point where I was doing a fair bit of sessions there, I was doing like 60 yeah. sessions a week. That's um, <laughs> that's that's For anybody who doesn't know what 60, 60 hour, I think there is a difference, 60 hour work week, for some people, you can have little breaks and stuff like that in between, but PT, it's one on one. It's like this the whole time, yeah, like yeah, 60 yeah, hours, yeah, that's constant. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I've done 40, probably max 45 maybe I've done before, and that was a long week for me. Yeah. I'm probably around 35 hours on yeah. average at the oh, minute, no, and that's still that long. For that probably six month period where it's at its limit, yeah. it was obviously too much. Yeah. Um, but I always thought, you've got to find where your limit is. Yeah. If, because if you're always, like you don't quite know where that is. You don't know if there's another level, another step that you can push. Yeah. Um, so it got to the point there. I was like, 
can't maintain this, something's mm -hmm. got to go. So obviously finished at LA Fitness, carried on with M10. And that's when I was transitioning to the compete inside of stuff as well. Yeah. So I needed to free up time for that. Yeah. Um, so then obviously it was full time at M10, assisted with the education side of stuff there. Mm -hmm. Did a couple of competitions. Um, then I realized I'm too old, <laughs> too tall. Too old. <laughs> Not good looking enough um, for that. <laughs> so that's a phase back. Yeah, when did you start the online stuff? When did that, because I feel like that's the last, that's, I bet that's my dog barking in the back on there. Uh, when, when, is it the last 10-ish years or something like that? I feel like online's took off. When did you start your online sort of? Probably that sort of period. It's like, journey. yeah, it must have been eight years, nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, for me, it was always just a little thing on the side. It was never really a business. Yeah. Um, I didn't probably have the following or I wasn't necessarily confident on the camera enough to, to push out and mm -hmm. almost almost the personality to want to be out there. Um, yeah. So it just built off the side through being obviously in front of people at M10, mm -hmm. it built well, as a residual thing from the side there. Mm -hmm. um, and then for three or good four years, it just sort of ticked over a little bit mm -hmm. as a, I can say a side business along with face-to-face -face BT, along with education. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, oh, I've almost got three pockets of revenue. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was that way, and it's only recently, really, that it's sort of... Really I think it's because I don't know what that was when I first started, like, the PT, and it was all one-to-one. -one. I didn't really know too much about the online, unless it was, like, for competitions and stuff like that. Now it's just, like, life, the lifestyle clients. You get all sorts of different... Yeah. Uh, obviously, you when, you when you started. Yeah. two years ago. Two, oh, I know, two years ago. It was before, to be fair, it was lockdown when yeah, I... Uh, yeah, when, when I started, we were talking 15 years ago, so it wasn't even a thing. But saying that, a consultation process mm -hmm. was a thing, and that's yeah. something that I tried to push in the early days, because Poliquin, Charles Poliquin, mm -hmm. he spoke about that with his biosignature program. Mm -hmm. He's like, you sell this 12-week package, they see you initially, and then every week they see you for a 15-minute appointment where you body fat them and measure them. Yeah. So that was the start of it. Yeah, and yeah. I started offering that to members in the gym that I knew couldn't afford me mm -hmm. to see me weekly or two, two, two times a week, mm -hmm. but they could afford a 20 minute appointment mm -hmm. that I packaged up. Yeah. So although I didn't have an online business 10 years ago, 12 years ago, yeah. I did always have a bit of a consultation. It's business. the same sort of thing as an online, rather than doing the check-in, you're doing it in person and yeah, there, so like yeah. you're writing the training and, and the stuff. The majority of PTs who are successful face-to-face don't think about that. Yeah. They think, oh, let me leverage online. No, if you're known in your area, if you're doing 25 to 35, even 40 sessions a week, the next step is how can you actually do less hour sessions mm -hmm. to pull that down, to see people for 15, 20 minutes as a consult, mm -hmm. do one hour a month with them where you train Just, them. Yeah, yeah. But now within that hour session, you can see three people rather than one. Yeah. So suddenly you can take your client base, really, which is probably from 20 to 30 people, yeah. if you're doing PT, up to 50, 60 people. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Um, and one of my real close mates, he does 10 hours face to face, and the rest of it purely runs a chiropractic type model. Yeah. Where people are booked in for 15, 20 minutes. And no joke, it's 120, 150 clients. Yeah. There. Little, yeah. But people come in every second week, there's a check in, face to face with them, rather yeah. than online. Whereas most people obviously everyone thinks they need to do it. Yeah, everyone. Go. I feel like there is a big pressure for PTs to do the online stuff now. Whereas realistically, one, you don't have to. If it's like you might do it, and you might actually not enjoy that sort of side of things. But as other, like you said, the way of the consultation process is a lot of ways. But the thing that people brag about the online isn't actually there. Mm -hmm. It's not going to give you more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to give you nah. actually more flexibility the majority of the time, mm -hmm. depending on how you set stuff up, how you set the check-ins up. But if you've got an online business and you've got 50 people in there, mm -hmm. you've always got to do them check-ins. Yeah. If you've got a face-to-face -face coaching business and you go away for a week, yeah. 
you're not doing them check-ins, so it frees up. You have week. a bit more time, yeah. So you can structure stuff, obviously, on how you take breaks and how you take holidays. Yeah. But there's always going to be people that you've got to get back to and contact. I know you're always on your phone. That's the you're one thing about online yeah. clients because they send you videos or they're yeah. saying, "Oh, I'm ill this week. I can't do this session. Can you? I'm, I'm working on a Monday. Can you change my session round or something like that?" Give me. There's always a. Yeah. And it's when people say 24-7 uh, WhatsApp support, that's one thing that I, I can't get. You've got to have your, your time off. Yeah, you need that shot. You've, you've got to have it, because you, otherwise you're, li you're living on your phone and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but how have you managed your time in terms of life outside of business, fitness, especially when you were really, really busy PT-wise? Did you have much of a social life? Have you ever been like big socializer, not too fussed, or is it? I was not too fussed. I was never the, the party person. Yeah, yeah. I was never like one to go to IB for that. This wasn't, <laughs> I think, partly because of the scene, I grew up in sport, mm -hmm. so alcohol was involved, and we'd go out and get pissed. Yeah. But drugs weren't. Yeah, I've never been into that. So I never then got into the party scene of going down that road. Yeah. Uh, it was like you go out on a Saturday, get pissed after the game, yeah. after playing, <laughs> and, yeah. and that was it. But then when I got more, obviously, to be busier and I was working Sunday morning, mm -hmm. there's no way I could go out on the piss on the Saturday Yeah. because I had to be up to deliver three, four sessions on yeah. the Sunday morning. I think when you've been in that sort of world of like being an, almost like a full-time athlete, you've always got that instilled. That's why I'm saying to you, like, I, I miss that sort of... That's why I love the bodybuilding side of things and the check-ins and stuff because you've got like a process and it's as if you are an athlete. And obviously, I'm not competing, I'm not something, but I do miss that side of things. So having it within your lifestyle, I think if you've had that previous athlete sort of lifestyle you, you're always going to want to keep it in and you're never going to go like off the rails like you yeah, said yeah, yeah, drugs yeah. and going off the uh, that side of things but I would say I'm someone who's never had balance yeah really but partly Do you think because I love it yeah and I see in one of Cal um Kyle's post about um, balance, how balance, was it? What did he put? It was a, a two stick, a scrolly thing on Instagram. The first photo was him saying how to have balance is, is it a coach or is it a business or something like that. Yeah. The next one was like, you don't have balance. You don't, you don't have, there is no balance. There's no yeah. such thing as balance. Do you think that's realistic? But, but everyone's idea of balance is completely different. Yeah. Uh, so for myself, even in the week, I'm happy to work bloody all day yeah. as long as I've got, Jaden gets home from nursery at five, mm -hmm. five to six thirty, I'm with him. Yeah. Uh, but then I'll go back to work. Yeah. I'll happily work till 9pm. It doesn't mm -hmm. phase me. Yeah. I'll happily get up at 5, sit and I'm doing work from quarter past 20 past 5. Yeah. And I'll get a 90 minute work block in before 7. Mm -hmm. To me, that doesn't... For other I'm people, they'll be like, oh, no, I'm yeah. not going to do that. I'm not going to work till 8, 8.30 at night. Yeah. Well, so I'm not going to watch shit on TV. I know. That's what I'm like. I'm like, right, Monday to Friday, a little bit Saturday morning, I'm like, right, it's work mode. Like... Yeah. It's like some certain people are like, oh, do you want to go up for food on a, on a Wednesday night and stuff like that? I'm like, no, because that's like when I work. Like, I'm just so much in that mindset that this is my work time and I don't like doing social things. Like, obviously, I've got my like non-negotiable certain things. Like, I'm, I'll always make sure I take Lord of the dog for a walk. I'll always make sure I have at least half an hour with the missus at night time just to try and wind down. Apart from that, it's work. If I'm not training a client, if I've got an hour gap, I'm like, right, I'm doing content or I'm trying to organise a session with someone or this, that, and the other. And then when it's weekend, it's like, right, that's my. Time to the, the biggest thing to, I think to understand as well is yes, you got to understand what is balance for you, yeah, and then decide what's appropriate for that. But then also understand what season are you in? Mm -hmm. Are you in a season of building? You're in a season of maintaining. Mm -hmm. uh, and at certain points, even now, I've been in the industry for 15 years, I got certain points in time where this weekend I need to work a fair bit. Yeah, it's probably about me. It's do. probably me taking too much time. Yeah, you can day. say this is work, and I'm not with Jaden. I'm not chilling with the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's work I enjoy. Yeah, uh, it's connecting with people and work I enjoy. But this weekend, I've still got a good two, three hours of work to do tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've still got four, or five hours to do tomorrow because there's certain things I'm just building in the back end. Yeah. 
So we're always going to have to go through phases like that. Okay, is this a, a four to six week push mm -hmm. to then know, oh, okay, I've got a phase where I'm going to pull back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and my wife, she understands that about me. She's Yeah, yeah. Mine's great with that, to be fair. She knows the way that my mind thinks as well, that like if I've got something I've, in my head that I get done, I need to get it done. Like she's probably sat waiting in the car for me now, but she understands that. And obviously, we'll have a nice weekend after that. But yeah, you've got to have... Uh, Everyone's got their own certain mindsets and stuff. And like you were saying, like everybody's balance is going to be different. Like I know PTs, like yourself, who would do 60 hours worth of one-to-one. -one. I know I wouldn't want to do that because I would want to put time aside for this. I would want to put time aside to try and do maybe a podcast or like certain other things like that. And if you want to have a phase, like you said, of four weeks with, or like even like six months of like, right, if I get my head down six months, maybe I want to have my own facility. I'm going to put my head down and work, work, work. Then after that, maybe once I've opened things, once I've got a few PTs working for me, then I can write, back off, maybe book a holiday and yeah. then, then I've kind of earned my, yeah. my reward at the it's, end it's of it. Understand, when I say like the 60 hours PT, you think the record is 63. The <laughs> record, the record <laughs> I love that. that like, if anybody, any right. PT is watching, they've got more than 63 hours, I want to comment down below. But back then, I didn't have to do any marketing. I didn't have to put myself out on social media. Yeah. Instagram was there, it's not that old, but Instagram was there, but it wasn't really a, a thing. It's, there's a lot so of more unpaid hours now. On the other things that aren't paid, mm -hmm. I, was, I was at M10, yeah. So M10, Mark Coles, he got me the clients in a sense through his advertisers. That's perfect for someone who loves to coach, loves to deliver. And then the clients that had at LA Fitness have been with me for years and years. Yeah. Because I was phasing that out. So that was a point in time where I didn't have to do anything else yeah. to bring clients in. Uh -huh. Yes, I had to do programs and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I didn't deliver check-ins outside of the sessions. Yeah. People got their check-in for the first five minutes of the session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when we reviewed stuff. Uh -huh. um, I measured them, I see where they're at and stuff, and asked them relevant questions. But there wasn't a time outside of that where people were doing check-ins yeah, yeah. at all. So it's purely on delivery. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people like yourself, you're doing all the other hours that you could deliver 50, 55 hours a week yeah, yeah. PT could, yeah. if you stripped everything else away. Yeah. Which is yeah. what you want to, because I know long term I want a bit more of a social media presence, yes. so I have yeah. to put the hours in. I know I'm not going to get the financial gain straight away, like I'm probably losing, kind of like three, four hundred quid potentially a week doing that, like even more. But hopefully long term this sort of stuff will and pay off, and I enjoy doing this as well. Yeah, That's another you said thing. you're at a place where you can do that financially, you're in a place where you can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Once you get kids, once you get older, once yeah. bills go up, pushing them off for a few more years. God. <laughs> Sometimes, like what you need to earn, wise does does go up. Yeah, like, it's what everyone's priorities are and stuff. I yeah. want to say to anyone is, if they're in their twenties and in a position where they can push and they can make the mistake, yeah, go for it. Yeah, because you'll get to a point when you're in your thirties, you can't afford you've got to make that mistake. Mortgage or nursery fee. I spent a fucking grand a month on nursery fees. Oh, God. <laughs> so but uh, she, like, my missus was looking at a TikTok or some, um, oh, what was it? He was, some, he was well, he worked somewhere, decent paid job, but he had his wife was a stay at home mum, three yeah. kids, and he walked through what he was paying, like what his outgoings were for like, it was like a grand for, a, oh, what was it? A grand for like um, days out with the kids and stuff like that, and then they just bought two pets. He was spending this much on like insurance and stuff, but just how much he was paying, like if he, if like, he, he didn't work all these hours, then he would never be able to afford stuff like that. Yeah. But um, that's the world of TikTok these days, isn't it? Yes. You get yourself on TikTok anyway. <laughs> not yet. But it's too fair. It does my head. Um, does my head more than One platform that I hadn't gone down. It's, a, it's an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. So, what's the plans in terms of this PT project with Paul that you've just obviously yeah. started? So it's the, the key goal for it really is to deliver exercise mechanics-based education that's practical and yeah. people can learn along the way mm -hmm. and be taken through a process. There's so much exercise mechanics. There's obviously massive and growing big at the moment, mm -hmm. but so many people touch on it, but don't really understand how to implement it. And yeah. they get confused by 
moment arms and congruency and profiles and force yeah. angles and stuff. I was like, oh, fuck, what is all this terminology? Yeah. So for us, it's a key thing is making sure that the courses we have are, are practical and people can really get hands on, experience it and feel it. Mm -hmm. Because then they go, like, oh, okay, I want to learn at that deeper level. Mm -hmm. But if we try and go in at the deeper level, they never actually get to experience and feel the benefit of it. Yeah. There's even certain tweaks like we've gone through today. Yeah. There's almost a foundational exercise mechanics reason as to why we're holding a chest position on a row. Yeah. But if you can feel that first in the row, yeah. they're like, oh, mm. actually, I might want to learn how to now. Yeah. So the key thing for us is making sure through a practical day, through a mentorship program, that people can experience it, but then be taken through the process. Yeah, so the comp really understand it. Here's a cheap subscription website mm -hmm. that you've got hundreds of hours worth of content, but you're not actually going to go through. Yeah. You're not actually going to learn. Yeah. There's like, no, we're going to take you through a mentorship program mm -hmm. where you're going to be given key things to do, and you've got to go away and go yeah. and review that. It keeps you accountable as well when yeah. you're given things yeah, to yeah, do. It's no, no different to the coaching side mm -hmm. of stuff. It's going to hold your hand through it, it's going to keep you accountable. As simple as that is, mm -hmm. it's required. Yeah. Because if we just overload people with information, it either doesn't go in, yeah. or you've got the few exceptions who like to purely geek out and look into the science. Yeah, so yeah. They're going to do that, but the majority of people who want practical application that's going to be able to take their business to another level, yeah. they need to know how to apply it straight away. How can I deliver a better level of service so I can charge an extra 10%, 20% on my baseline? Yeah, yeah. Just always looking to learn more as well. Like, there's a lot of things that now I, I thought I knew. But realistically, I didn't know that. I know a lot of stuff I was saying to um, when I was training with Finn at Pioneer. I know a lot of what to do, but I don't know the exact reasons behind it. It's like sticking bands on things. I can probably set it up right, but it's like the exact reasons why I'm doing it so I can explain it to my client. That's the one thing when you're like, I feel like I know what I'm doing, but when someone asks me, all right, why am I doing this? I'm like, actually, you know what? I don't actually know that much of the reasons behind it. I know obviously from yourselves and looking at people social media wise and who I follow that it's beneficial to do but, but why you almost you you need to have that uh, practical understanding to be yeah. able to apply it so then, okay now i want to delve in a little bit deeper mm -hmm. yeah. if, if you just try and go with the terminology yeah then you don't see the benefit and you don't ever apply it where yeah. if you see the benefit and the results in terms of how your body feels i know mm -hmm. you said earlier as well there's not the same injuries and niggles and stuff like that before yeah. you have a training and part of that is because of the understanding you've got mm -hmm. even if it is a foundational level yeah. you've still got the understanding of how to train and not get them injuries and niggles mm -hmm. so then you can keep the push yeah whereas then so then later you can take that underneath the level yeah, yeah. now I'm going to get a deeper understanding oh definitely come on then we'll do the wrap up so the three questions yes. bringing it back from the podcast so yeah. first question have you, you had a good little think about it uh, two still, minutes two, two minutes literally I gave him, like, oh, on the way down I was half an hour I was like I haven't texted the questions yet I'll yeah. text you them uh, so first first one three people yeah. you'd like to have round for a dinner party or even I even said like take off for a coffee just to find out more past or present yeah. dead or alive um, first person I was going to go with my granddad yeah granddad passed oh. away when I was eight or nine yeah um and at that age, everything's so superficial, even through the teenage years, that there's no point where you have such a, a, like a deeper conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. He was a, a farmer, um, and I just know someone that just had a ridiculous work ethic, and obviously around when there was the war, and just how, I think, times we can say were harder then, relative to what we've got in now. We've got it fucking easy. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> relative really to the things that we can do day to day, even if we're earning okay, we've still got more disposable income than what our grandparents have. Or, and the era that like, he was around. So I was like, to sit and have a conversation with him it would be incredible. And he yeah. was always someone who liked to train. Yeah. I know always the stories where um, my auntie, whenever she had a, a boyfriend round, yeah. he would challenge them to do like push-ups. How many push-ups you can do? Can I you climb up that. this rope? Can you do a single arm push-up? Um, <laughs> and obviously being a kid, I'd never got into training really. Yeah. I just heard some of these stories. 
to, to go back and actually have I conversations would. with him. I love speaking to um, like people who have been through, like, like my client Colin, who's like 70 odd. Some of the stories, just even from like when he was young and stuff, like, I love hearing about people's life stories because they have so many things that we don't actually think about. Like you said, like batting the wall and stuff, like the life that people had yeah. back then. So it's really, really yeah, interesting. The fact that he had, I know even when he went to work and stuff like that, it was eight, eight miles every day there and back to work on mm-hmm. a bike, on a push bike. Yeah, he would have just thought that was normal, didn't he? Yeah, it's a normal day work. I'm like walking five yards to my, to my little gym that I've got outside my house. It's yeah. like, you don't realise how you I'm are. I'm not a farmer at all. I say, I grew up, I can say, close to a farming area. Yeah. But he was out of the industry in a sense by there. But just from what I'm aware, the hours they have to put in, yeah. we think we do a lot of hours, it's nothing compared to yeah. like what they're doing. So I think just for a mindset, work ethic type point, it would be incredible. There you go. You got anybody else you'd want there? Um, other person I was thinking about, Kobe Bryant. He Kobe. was an idol, idol of mine growing up, playing basketball, yeah. 17, 18, 19. That was when he was really sort of coming into limelight, yeah. doing slam dunk contests and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I think like to be able to have a conversation with him Mindset of would be incredible. Some of, the, like, yeah. some of the basketball players from that era was... If you watch, you would have watched Last Dance as well. Yes, you would have yeah, watched yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Just Jordan's yeah. mindset. It's just on a different level. Yeah. So again, it's a, a work ethic mindset type things mm-hmm. and the key things that that's what obviously you it's how they deal about. with stress I, I listen to a lot of podcasts on that but it's how they deal with that much stress and because basketball there's that many games as well like whereas like football you have i don't know at least like four days maybe if you've got a midweek game you have a couple of days of group but they're like back to back sometimes eight, yeah, aren't they 80, i think it's 80 odd i don't know what it is nowadays but it might have changed a bit but i always know it's like 80 games or something like that in the regular season yeah and playoffs on top it's crazy i don't know what football is yeah, it's like normally 38 and then plus cup competition and stuff. Yeah. So on average, like maybe one and a half games a week, depending on if you've got a midweek one or not. But yeah. uh, now the mindset's ridiculous. Next one, training wise. Who would you like training. to train with? Three three people you like to train with? I struggle to get three on this, really. The, on, give us the a couple key now, Tom Purvis. Yeah. Um, he's the founder of RTS, resistance training specialist. Yeah. I've been out to Oklahoma and done some studying and stuff with him. So he's taking me through odd sets. Yeah. I actually have a full session with him. Um, he's like the, yeah, the godfather of exercise mechanics or something. Yeah. Um, so to go through him. And other than that, I was like, it's a group, but I was going to say my clients. Yeah. Because oh. If I can train with them, then I know the value that I can pass on, that then that's going to help them apply so much more to their clients, etc. Mm-hmm. From there. So I think just from a value point of view, they're going to see massive value from that. Yeah. And the other person, it's more going to be a future thing, is Jaden, my little boy. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, outside of that, I've got no aspiration to train with anyone. Yeah. In terms of some top bodybuilder or anything like that. I've yeah. been there, I've, I've done that. I've yeah. had top people train me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got no aspiration of that. It's just more kind so. of like leaving a little bit of a legacy in that whatever you can leave on this earth to benefit and stuff and help people progress is, I'm a big, I love that. To be fair, I trained with my client last week and it was just, it's nice the little things that with the online side of thing you give them little like voice notes and maybe a few little things to work on but it's different sort of value in person yeah. sometimes you can visually see for things. me it's sort of two reasons to why I say, I say that is one if I'm going to train with a client it means they're at a certain level yeah but I've got the benefit of having that level of client now yeah that that I've taught them up or even they've come in at a certain level so they're not going to be foundational at all mm-hmm. but then two just the ability to then build rapport mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know they're going to sort of enjoy that more and see value in that yeah. as well rather than just purely think from a business perspective oh, my time yeah. is worth this I like, that's I I like the relation, <laughs> I know I like the relationship yeah. side of things that you get from coaching like building like a lot of my clients yeah. now I could like they, they speak to me about other things outside of training as well like building that relationship and that's the thing with purely online coaching yeah. if you're trying to run an efficient business model as possible you don't build a relationship yeah. so you've got to find that balance between building a relationship getting rapport 
having client retention, yeah. rather than just thinking of numbers and efficiency, yeah. it's not building easy to get into that mindset. A churn, and then before you know it, you haven't got a business. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. Uh, I know, that's why I, like, I do like the mixture of um, online and one-to-one. It's quite handy when you've got clients in the area as well. Like I've got a couple of online ones yeah. who are in Newcastle. Every so often I'll try and meet up with them. Yeah. Um, I'll be as crazy as me and drive three hours to yes. come in there. <laughs> from, say, I am going to see okay. family. I've got family down here, to be fair. I'm not that mental. Uh, last question. One thing you would say to a 20-year-old 20, 20 James Sutton. James yeah. Where were you at at 20, anyway? <laughs> Where was I? Where were you at? Were you, do, you basketball, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, that's basketball era. Yeah, yeah it was. Probably... Yeah, another year or two. I think I finished basketball at 21, 22. Yeah. And then, so I still what would you say? What, we'll go for that gap between basketball and kind of starting PT. What would you say to a James then? The biggest thing is not letting your ego run away with you, I'd say almost from a financial perspective as well. Because mm-hmm. if you can be in a place where outgoings aren't that go, you can go all in on something. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether that's football, whether that's basketball, whether that's PT, mm-hmm. whatever that is, if you get to 25 and you lose everything, you can start again and it's not yeah. a problem. Really, mm-hmm. it's not an issue. Um, but if you start letting your ego get ahead of you yeah. and you buy that nice car, that nice watch, that nice TV, whatever yeah. it is, you have a, a house or a rent, you rent and it's just above where you can, mm-hmm. before you know it, that may come to bite you in the ass. Yeah. But if you can keep that in check and keep your finances at a certain point, mm-hmm. then that will pay off tenfold yeah. when you get to late 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really directly related to PT. Yeah. But I think that's a key thing. And that, that can be related to PT. We could use that in different ways. But if you can just manage your expectations in terms of what you have early on, mm-hmm. and if you get a little bit of success, don't, <laughs> don't go too crazy with it. Yeah. Keep that in check because it can pay off massively. I think with these days, as well with social media, I know a lot, especially in football, from the way the world that I've came on, the pressures of having like a nice car, having the flashy gear, spending £900 on a pair of trainers, like, yeah. there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, and it's, it's probably like so much more now. Obviously, oh, you, I'm old to see what the 20-year-olds are going through at the moment with social media, Yeah, but that wasn't so much there at that point. Mm-hmm. And I partly say grew up in a way where my dad was like, you're having your own car. I'm not giving you any money yeah. you to buy your own car. Mm-hmm. First car is £100. Yeah. Insurance was £900 a grand. Oh, God, yeah. The type thing. Second car was like 350 Well, there was no getting anything on credit. Yeah. So it probably was, I think I was about 26, 27, maybe even a time bit older before I had a car on finance. Yeah. Just buy them outright. Yeah. And it's, and it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now you start getting sucked into that world. Yeah. Someone's got a Range Rover. Someone's got this BMW. It's the common competition that. between people, isn't it? That. Whereas if you're in your early 20s, just buy something outright that you can tick over it. Yeah. Don't let your ego get the better of you and think, oh, I've got to be spending, have this car and spending three, four, five hundred pounds a month yeah. to have X car. Exactly. No. I know anything can happen, especially in the, like, if you're just a purely one-to-one PT, like anything like a lockdown could happen and your, your income could shoot down. You might have these payouts, this, this nice flat you need to pay for, this nice car that you need to pay for, but you can't sustain it. And also a big believer, PTs almost, I see it as a little bit like a footballer's career that it's not going to be one-to-one. It's not going to be something that you want to really be doing when you're like maybe 50, 60, doing the 40. Be careful the age you say that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, you're like, yeah, you're in the 30s, aren't you? Just, <laughs> just about. But yeah, once you get, I believe, like once you get like a lot, lot older, it's maybe something that I don't want to do them long arms. One, because being on your feet all day and stuff like that isn't going to be sustainable. And yeah. um, you've got to think in the long term and also learning to live as minimalistic as possible. To an extent, obviously, don't completely sacrifice yeah. everything. Do a few things you enjoy. Um, but learning to live that sort of way is going to one you're going to have a little bit more of a cushion if something does go wrong like you said like maybe staying with your parents an extra couple of years if you need to as long as they're happy with that 
um, just so again you can take them risks and, and, and move forward with things. Yeah, because that can make massive dividends later. later yeah, on. yeah. I'm conscious I'll cut you for ages. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I'll tag uh, James's Instagram and stuff um, down below. But now it was a pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. Right, Spot on. Like, subscribe, all that stuff, uh, and give James a follow. Spot on. So thank you very much if you listened to this full episode and thanks again James for having me down. It was an absolute pleasure and obviously the home setup. If you haven't already seen the video, go and check out the video because the home gym is very, very good as well. And if you do enjoy these bite side episodes, make sure to let me know. Drop your message on Instagram at Brendan Pearson Fitness. Share it on your Instagram stories. Share it on Facebook. Share it with a friend. Stick it in your group WhatsApp. Whatever you can do to spread the reach of the podcast would be amazing. And we will get back to more podcast episodes in the future, I promise. But for now... We'll see you next time. This has been Process.